when Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Hello and welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number eight, with Alexander Moneypenny and my very, very good friend, Bradley... Oh no, you did that bit, sorry. Mate, you can go for it, go for it, go on. Bradley Adams. That's not a very good impression of you, that's really bad. Can you do an impression of me? With Alexander Moneypenny. That just sounds like you. Yeah, it just sounds like me. I can't really... It's not really the point of impressions, is it? Yeah, um, I'm a bit shit at that, aren't I? No, well, an impression of you. No, yourself up, mate. <laughs> um, how are you, dude? How are how you doing? I've never called you dude in, in, we, in our entire friendship. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm really good. How are you? You doing, you doing good? You well? I'm all right. I was, uh, I was teaching yesterday back in, my, back in my hometown. We're both actors. I don't think we've... Have we, we haven't revealed that on the, uh, on the pod, have we? We're both actors. No, uh, you, I don't think we have. If you couldn't tell. Um, uh, yeah, I was down teaching some acting to, uh, to sort of my old youth theatre, which was good fun. Uh, I hear you're learning to drive. Oh, yeah, I am. I'm, this is a... Men- I mentioned before we we hit roll that I'm I'm on a bit of like a travelling setup today because uh, once a week I'm coming back home home because I'm learning how to drive at the moment doing like one lesson a week. How's that going? Because it just it just seems to be something that I've just decided never to do as a 17 year old and now at 24 I'm like well I should probably get a fucking license. Uh, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, but okay, so he- here's a question though. Do you not think the kind of the idea of like you th- you can't drive? What's wrong with you? Kind of thing. I think that's sort of gone. In the modern era, oh no, absolutely. The the sort of Tony Pulis, Neil Warnock idea of if you can't drive, you're not a real man has been replaced by save the planet, Hector Bellerin. Do you know what I mean? If we're going to put it in football terms, absolutely. And I wouldn't. I, I'm not kind of getting this license to drive around all the time because I live in London. So I think it's just because of because of COVID. Because of what? Because of COVID. Who? covid can i just say that joke isn't funny <laughs> no <laughs> and i've admitted before in real life it's not funny and i always make it you've just done it you've just done it yeah no but because of that you know we've not uh as, as two actors uh, in the theater industry we've not got a lot of opportunities for work at the moment so it seems like a perfect time where i can kind of commit to coming home once a week or twice a week so I just thought, fuck it. And then once I've got a license, I've got a license. I can just sack it off and it can sit in my wallet. can roam free, which is another thing. Because can't, like, can't you pass your test at 17 and then never do another test till you're like 80? Yeah, it's something like 75. When do they take your license off you? They don't, unless you fail that retesting. But when do you get retested? I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's at 75. Okay. That, that seems stupid. That is, that's mental. That is that mental. That is a long time. But my nan is... My nan is 70, 71 or seventy two, and she's never been retested. Hang on, should we should we should we give it a Google? Do you want the music back? Give it a Google. Give it a Google. Uh, driving retest. What would we do without Google? Eh? <gasps> what would we do without Google? Oh, I've watched a fascinating documentary. Um, Social Dilemma. Oh, mate, same. On Netflix, same. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. 
it's mad. Okay, well, hang on, hang on. Let's. I want to answer because I know there'll be someone in, in. There'll be one person listening who really wants to know. You didn't answer the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did I have to go and Google it myself? Stop. Go- stop going on tangents. That's not how conversation works. <laughs> um, uh, where is it? Christ. No, you don't need to. You don't. It's recommended, Fuck. and there's no upper age limit to driving, as long as you know you're fit and able. That's mental. Oh, and you've renewed your license. Oh, I could be wrong. That's mental. I think you have to renew your license when you're 70. Oh, okay. But, like, you can just do that, and maybe maybe they don't. I can't really tell. This is very very modern way of finding out information, where you just read a headline and go, oh, wow. Have you heard that? <laughs> and just say it to all your friends, even though it's just not true. I can't really work it out. Anyway, it doesn't matter. More importantly, social dynam- dynamics, <laughs> social dilemma is wild. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's fucking wild, mate. I uh, have never been a great lover of social media, but I have been a massive user of social media, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't get Facebook or... I didn't get Facebook till I was probably in, like, year 11. Really? Which, for the time, was, like, quite late because I I think our generation... Mate, I had it in year six. Yeah, our generation was, like, the generation where we had it growing up. So I didn't get it until... Kind of for the benefit of our international listeners, year six is probably like ten, and year eleven is like what sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. So I got it at around sixteen. I got Facebook, and I got Twitter at the time, but just never used Twitter. And then I got Instagram probably about five years ago, maybe maybe six. Uh, and I've always like I've always had my issues with social media because I just think that it it uh, is not a true representation of things and can severely affect the way that you look at yourself it's huge man and this documentary kind of kind of focuses on that and it's yeah. all basically if you haven't seen it it's like a load of x people and it's not just like oh i cleaned the toilets at facebook it's like i designed the like button <laughs> like people like that mm. essentially saying that they know what's happened and they know what they've done and not that they set out to do it but that you know it's become a monster essentially it's a it's a monster and it's basically talking about the whole idea of like it's designed to keep you on the on you know spending as much time as possible on the screen so they can sell adverts to you it's taking your data all this stuff basically go and watch it it's fucking wild i've the uh, it's one of those classic like i watched a documentary go whoa man that's fucking great i watched it i watched it like really late on a saturday night was like that's it man i'm off social media i'm off i'm off instagram deleted the apps and i have kept off the apps but i have also been like "Mm, i want to go back on I yeah I kind of have a love hate relationship with social media that I every now and again just delete it, and I haven't had Facebook on my phone for about nine months maybe because I think it's just such a black hole, like Facebook especially is so pointless and it's so automatic as well. Yeah. I think my um, my girlfriend was saying like it's so interesting to note when when you're doing it and obviously it's an easy point to make like oh when you're you're just scrolling aimlessly. But it's interesting to note at what point in your day you scroll aimlessly. I.e., is it when you you're feeling a bit of downtime? Is it when you know you something's happened and you're feeling kind of like post a meal? You're like, you know, looking for that next high that you just had the dopamine of the food. What you're gonna have on? You know, it's it's so interesting mm. to look at that and and yeah, man, like it's 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 such a it's 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 funny because it feels like a cliche to talk about but we don't talk about it enough no no no, not, no no not no, no, not no. not properly and not informed but yeah anyway it's a it's a it's a fascinating documentary yeah i'd urge everyone to go and watch it definitely it, just to learn about what social media is and how we are the commodity is yeah. just unbelievable and then after that follow us on instagram and twitter and <laughs> listen to our content <laughs> like share retweet help us make like, some money share, follow 
there was some football. There was. Was it was it yesterday? Yeah, it was last night when we were recording this. Arsenal beat West Ham 2-1 at the Emirates Stadium. Um fair to say not a classic. <laughs> no, it was uh as you put it in a voice note to me dripping in Emery. Oh, it was I think someone on Twitter said you can see the PTSD of Emery here. Yeah, it was um as as a, a, a kind of a general wash just devoid of ideas, devoid of passion, devoid of kind of it's such an easy thing to say Arsenal lack creativity, but you can see um I'm so I'm so aware I do this all the time. I wrote a blog post about Hussein Owa <laughs> and it's on the different.com. Every episode. Uh, every episode I plug it. And the yeah, basically you can see and we'll we'll get onto that later on, but you can see where a number 10 a, a attacking number 8 could have changed that game. We were so so horizontal for such long periods of the game. Massively. And West Ham was set up really well. They kind of, you know, they they recognised that we had the Jacques Zabios, Gabriel holding thing kind of in our build up play, and 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 you know, even William dropping deep, they managed to nullify that. So I think they did well. But it was it was so it was dull. I was watching on a stream back from uh, back from teaching, and uh, it was yeah, I was <laughs> switching off at points. Yeah, the Lossatini in the warm up was really. I mean, it was bad for us, and I think. You know, this is why I, I'm personally of the opinion that we need to, as quick as possible, get some midfield reinforcements in that will do some defensive cover and then switch to a three-man midfield. Because when I was watching, the especially for both goals, the, the, the thing that gets us those goals and gets us those kind of clear-cut opportunities, it's not the cross from Aubameyang, which was brilliant. And it's not the uh, the movement from Lacazette. The thing that gives us the first goal is Willian. Willian pushes to kind of the centre of the goal or to the front post towards those two defenders. And it forces their kind of two centre-backs to just push back a little, opening up that perfect little gap of space that Lacazette just glides into and nods home. Yeah, and a, and a great finish. Oh yeah, and a fantastic finish. And then the same thing happens with that second goal that Ceballos makes a run from deep uh it's this I mean two Saka pre-assists brilliant performance from him on the night prime Alex Hleb yeah prime Alex Hleb uh and then that that run from Danny Ceballos kind of getting kind of like cutting through the lines and being able to square it for Enketia and I think that's why especially in these teams that are going to play or or at least going to set up in the defensive transition as 10 men behind the ball which is understandable I think most teams do that we're going to need that profile of player we're going to need that Meza Ozil profile that Hussam Alwa profile that player that can pick a pass that can thread it through the lines that can break down that low block because it's against the bigger teams this formation is perfect because mm. we can use Aubameyang's pace on the counter we can use Willian's pace on the counter and we can use Lacazette's hold up play but against these kind of smaller, lower teams who are going to kind of put the onus on us to win the game, we need somebody who's going to to kind of make those things happen, which is why I think personally, I mean, I've, I've talked about Thomas Partey about 75 times in eight episodes, but now I actually believe, I really think... It's not an accurate stat, Brad. It's, I mean, it's not at all. It's a gross over-exaggeration. 
but I really think we need to get somebody of the profile of Alwa over a party because one yeah. thing I saw about Ceballos is he's I saw I think it was he's uh, amazing defensive yeah I, I think I saw Gunnar Panacea actually recoveries like yeah. he's almost like a poor man's Tiago in the sense of he's definitely not as good as Tiago but he does not get the kind of credit or even the like the vision that is deserved on his defensive output it's yeah. brilliant yeah I think um yeah you know we we can talk about the kind of the how horizontal we were and it was you know it was Gabriel to holding to holding to Vera and back inside you know and the problem is we we didn't have that person Xhaka kind of uh but you know Xhaka was occupied with those kind of four players that he had on him we don't have that person you can play the ball into like a Thiago who has the technical ability to pick up on the half turn and, and play that ball forward into yeah be it Lacazette or Willian or Saka or whoever it may be and we miss that so much. We miss that link. And and especially when we don't have that outball, as you say, of Tierney, we just look bereft of ideas. And as you say, we relied on two really great moments, basically from Saka. Um, to, mm. And, you know, in those games, kind of the quality shows in the end. But overall, the system just lacked so much. I think it was interesting to to look at what uh, what Arteta said in the in the post match, and he said, "Yes, yeah, certainly in the in the first fifteen minutes, it's very strange because we were talking with the staff today that they had their best week in terms of decision making, quality, and execution with the ball by far since I joined the club. But then in the first fifteen minutes, they gave the ball to the wrong colour too often. I think he said on Sky it was the worst fifteen minutes he'd seen since he joined the club. He kind of made that um, parallel, and it was fascinating because West Ham just sat there in that low block, waited for us to give them the ball." Um, and yeah, we, we, we looked kind of bereft of ideas really. Um, and luckily, uh, we got there in the end. I think there's a, there's an interesting thing about Arteta, isn't there? I think he kind of early on in those sort of first couple of months in December, January, February time, there was a lot of criticism around his substitutes, but I thought he got both of them. I think it was just two yesterday. Oh no, three, sorry, in the end, but I thought he got, um, and Ketia and Pepe right and at the right times. Mm. Yeah, no, 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 no. I would agree. I think that the. I also think that there's some recency bias in that statement. And Ketia scored the winning goal, so of course we're going to kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go. Oh my God! It's an Arteta masterclass. He brought on a player yeah. who scored the winner. But I would agree with you, even in the sense of kind of just the work. Even if we hadn't scored that goal and won the game, I think the statement would still be the same in that he brought on two players that, you know, without Meza Ozil in, in the team, Pepe's probably one of our best creators and kind of deliverers of a ball. So bringing him on was definitely a good move. And then bringing on Enketia to kind of run the defence ragged in those last kind of, what, 20 minutes was was fantastic. Yeah, Enketia's great for kind of chasing down those balls. He's He's really good. Um, he's, uh, I'm not comparing Nketiah to Mane, but he has that kind of Mane-esque quality uh, where he can, where he just knows the right runs to make, the kind of outside to win runs uh, to mm. kind of put the pressure on the on the keepers. It's really good. He does not quite have the same footballing ability as Mane, but uh, he, he's, no, not, not, he, not quite. He's getting there. It's interesting you mentioned Pepe as well because he's not starting. I don't want to mention the Ozil thing. It, I mean, it goes without saying. It's fascinating that in a game like this at home to a game like West Ham, he's not even in the squad. That's fascinating to me. But listen, we I, I'm just bored of that conversation. But I think with Willian and Pepe, Willian offers us so much. And I think when, when we are playing against a team that likes to counter, Willian 
will do that running back. And you see, you know, there's a few times where, you know, there's only so much you can see on the screen, but our entire, you know, we, we had our, our full backs and our two centre backs coming back and Jacker and Ceballos are sort of going back as well, but Willian's with them. He's, you know, he's the only one of that sort of front front three or four, whatever you want to call it, who is really making that busting a lung to get back. And I don't see Pepe doing that. I think what Willian offers you on the other end um, makes him kind of invaluable. He's he's an excellent, excellent player. Agreed, agreed. I think that it's also going to be a good learning curve for, for Pepe that... Um... He's now kind of been dropped a bit. I think it's good, so there's not so much pressure riding on him. And it's a long season. We're gonna comp- we're competing on four different fronts. We're going to need Pepe in a lot of games, so we shouldn't get stressed that two games in he's he's made a substitute appearance. Yeah, I think there, there's there's a lot of kind of. People on Twitter mo- saying like, "Oh, you know, he's finished or whatever," and they just they want to see him fail because he's like some seventy-two million pound flop or whatever. But nobody's really chatting about Kai Havertz in the same sentence, even though he's put in two performances have been absolutely fucking dreadful. I don't know if you saw it, but against Brighton, he just slices this past to no one. It's like he's trying to pass it to the left back, and it literally just goes outside the fucking. Uh, it's unbelievably. I think. Uh, I think with Havertz at the moment, though, it's like. He's playing on the left of a front three, and I'm not sure that's his position. But anyway, yeah, but nobody gave nobody gave Pepe the benefit of the doubt. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's true. It's nobody, true. nobody. I'm 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 not having this Arsenal bias that goes on on Twitter <laughs> and that goes on with pundits. That you know, Werner needs six months to acclimatize. Aubameyang scored 13 goals in 14 games in his first six months in England. Like, get over yourself. And in fairness, if we're talking about nearly 80 million pound flops, I think Kepa Arithabalaga has. A lot to answer to. Has the title. Yeah, he has. He's possibly the worst number one goalkeeper I've seen in maybe five to ten years in the Premier League. And that is really hard to get to. It's also like they gave him something like an eight-year contract or something. Yeah. On ridiculous money. Love it. You love to see it. Chelsea in the mud. You love to see it. You love to see it. But the... um, Yeah. more. I mean, on the game then... it. I think the Tierney thing is is a real issue, and I think when we because we don't have that creativity in the middle, mm. we have Kalasinac, and Kalasinac for me is just he's he's one of those players who he can play football right, but he offers no function. No. He can receive a ball, he can pass it, and apart from that, I don't know what he does. He stands vaguely in the right positions. He gets the ball and he normally plays it back to whoever just played it to him. He never takes a risk. He's just the most average player I've ever seen. And I think when we signed him, he looked like he could be, and especially in that sort of first Emery sort of Kalasinac cutting it back, he looked like he could be a decent player. And, and maybe there's a there's an option. I don't know what he's lost, maybe something physically, whether he's you know not as in strength-wise in, in terms of his his pace, I don't know. But he just when he when when we play with him, it's like playing with ten men, and that's a bit harsh. But he offers so little that yeah. I just he really frustrates me, especially because because he's offset against Tierney, who is so good. Even the things that he does well, he does poorly though. Like um, the moment uh, the the VAR kind of when they were looking at the um, Gabriel possible handball when it hits his like upper arm slash shoulder. If you watch him receive the ball and try and control it and then pass it away, it's fucking horrendous. Like, it's genuinely just 
Dyer and in for the first goal as well. I mean, all three of our centre backs do something wrong, in my opinion. And remember, I'm just kind of an armchair pundit. I'm no Pep Guardiola. No, Brad. Uh, <laughs> You're just as good as Pep. There's the moment where Bowen, instead of cutting in on his left, passes the ball out to Fredericks. Kalazanak is way, way too slow to react to that and start trying to close that passing lane, meaning that Fredericks, who's got some pace, just curls around and whips the ball in. Gabriel needs to be slightly better positioned, so if he sees that ball coming in towards the centre, he could intercept and clear out. And then Rob Holding needs to not let Mikhail Antonio get goal side of him. And now I think Holding has the tougher job of all three because... yeah. Antonio's a fucking monster. Like, if you look at the size of that man's thighs, he he puts what he puts the work in in the gym. We'll put it that way. Um, and so I think the the main fault should be on Kalazanak and Gabriel. But yeah, I, that cross should never have even entered the box. And it's an easy it's an easy thing to say, but you. I do think with Tierney that doesn't happen, which is a shame. Well, yeah, because but, it's know. basic shit. It's basic shit. It's basic defensive shit of closing down, closing down like you you press the passing lane so they can't... Because all that would happen if Kalazanak closes down Fredericks, Saka's on Bowen, the only thing that can happen is a pass back to Bowen. And then that that, that entire goal never happens. And it's... it's well, everyone's an, an absolute genius and an expert with hindsight yeah of course. but if you defend like crawly towns under nines like what do you expect to happen it's on it it's just basic basic stuff that you get taught like that i got taught when i played football when i was a kid uh that if you know if somebody's looking to put the ball in you close it down then you make it difficult for them and he doesn't do that and he doesn't even do it it's just, it's just so bad. He just needs to go. He needs to go back to Germany, like maybe a slower league, yeah, yeah. different pace of football, where he might be able to thrive a bit more. But he is nowhere near cut out for 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 English football. He would look average in a Championship team. Brad, I'd love to see you play football. Oh, I used to be a goalkeeper, mate. Did you? I was pretty decent. Oh, yeah. I was pretty decent. Is that when you were a goalkeeper closing down the, the fullback on the other side? No, 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 no. I, I started out... Okay, because I was going to say, you're playing you're playing the game wrong. Yeah, no, no, no. I started out playing like defensive, like centre-back, right-back. Um, and then uh, decided I actually really enjoyed being a goalkeeper. So I was just like... And I've been, I've been six foot since like I was 13 years old, so... Actually, less than that. And you know you're always going to get a game because no child under the age of about 16 wants to go wants to go and go. Oh, mate, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, you're always going to get a game. I um, my <laughs> this is my footballing uh, pedigree, right, guys? My I basically had the one and only fight of my life with. Oh no, I've had two, but we'll talk about that on another another podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I had the one and only fight of my life with the manager's son. Uh, and I decided uh, my time in the pool town under 11s was up because I was auditioning for Oliver the Musical at this point. And I thought, well, you know, got to take a big choice in my career at this point. Um, and I used to play right back. And uh, the game after I left, we were decent, you know, sort of mid-table team. The game after I left, we lost 13-0. So I'm, I'm not saying I was holding that defence together, Brad, but I am saying that. What kind of right back were you? I was right back because I was was not good enough to play any other position. That's what kind of right back I was. So you were a Gary Neville like me. I was um, 
Yeah, I'd put myself in a, a Stefan Licksteiner type uh, model. Um, just a few more thoughts on the game, mate. Uh, in Enketia, I suppose this is a, a slightly longer conversation. What do you? What are your thoughts? He's an interesting player because he's he's sort of he feels a bit immune to criticism. I think uh, at times, um, or or he doesn't appear. He appears to go under the radar quite a lot. I'm actually sort of generally optimistic. Yeah, he seems like a decent player. I just don't think we've got a sample size of minutes to kind of correctly judge him on. It seems like he only ever gets kind of the last 10, the last 15 minutes of most games. Or even when he starts, he's 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 going to come off sort of 60, 70 yeah. minutes. Um, which is fine. You know, you need to be putting on those fresh legs at around that point. But I just, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to, judge him yet i think he's he's a very decent squad option it depending on who else leaves and what else happens within kind of the remit of the transfer window if say lacazette leaves even if we move abamyang into the middle i'd say we still need a backup striker because i just do not believe that enketia is currently good enough even though lacazette kind of historically has only offered arsenal about 15 league goals a season i think 14 is his most but it's it's and I, and I know it's an easy thing to say but Laka does offer quite a lot like dropping deep and linking play and he doesn't have the legs he doesn't have the legs to do what Nketiah does but also Nketiah doesn't have the quality to do what Laka does no of course of course and I think that's the issue is in like we would be losing so much and losing 15 league goals a season that we would then have to go out and replace him whether we would try and then replace the goals in a kind of a left wing player and have it all depends on formations and systems i think he's a perfectly fine squad option that we keep hold of for now and hopefully he can develop into a much more well-rounded player who can kind of work on his finishing abilities a bit more yeah but um i i, I think in is a sort of you know he'll do a job for us for a while i hope he makes a breakthrough but if not and then move to crystal palace yeah he's he's one of those kind of players that's either gonna progress really well and smash it for us or when Lacazette leaves we'll sign another striker and he'll end up moving to Crystal Palace and we'll promote another one of the under 23s and actually that's fine like you know not yeah. every player not every young player needs to become the next Henri like you know I think there's a real value in you know giving them some minutes giving them some time when you know when we've got space in the squad um you know, hoping they're going to develop, and if they don't, then that's sort of fine. I don't creating sellable assets. Yeah, exactly, and 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 that's part of a, a long term business model that you know I think mm-hmm. is 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 totally is is really important to think about. You know, I don't think he's got the physicality necessarily, um, stature wise, to play in the position or play in the system that I believe Arteta might want to play mm. long term. Now, obviously, you know, I'm not in Mikel's head. I don't know that, but I don't think he's necessarily got the all of the attributes just because of his height. I think if he played as a two, I think he, he could do, he could flourish, but I don't think that's Arteta's no, vision long no, term. Because no, no. um, I think, you know, if he's if he's next to kind of a bigger, stronger player who can, you know, do the do the dirty work and he can nip in and around the box, that's totally fine. I just don't think he has the physicality and all, he has beefed up, but, you know, it's not... It's not to the level of uh, of Bayern players or Madrid no, players. No, uh, we wonder why that is, Alex. We wonder why that happens. Are you suggesting cheating here, Brad? I mean, come on. Come on. Leon Leon Goretzka does look like a big boy. I was watching the watch-along, the kick-off watch-along, because um, 
I'm, a, I'm I've said it a few times. Massive fan of Hugh Wizzy. You love the kickoff, Brad. I love Is, them. Do you just do you want to just go be with them then? I'll just do this podcast on my own, shall I? I'm gonna go work for them. I'm gonna chuck them a CV and see what happens. I'll just talk to a wall, shall I? Do it. Why not? But um, and they kind of discuss it, and I think one of them mentions the fact that um, and I was shocked to hear this. Do you know that 22 of Liverpool's players are registered as asthmatic, which is four times what the national average would be for kind of a group of people. 22 of them, because then they can use inhalers that contain steroids and they can take those drugs that gives you a bigger lung capacity. It's fucking mental. That is interesting. That is very interesting. Obviously, I we can't on the different knock verify that information, but uh, I think it's certainly it's certainly a conversation, man. Like I, I I do look at you know I think I saw something about Ferran Torres who like gained five kilograms of muscle since he signed for City or something, and I was like, how? Yeah. <laughs> like these things take so long, and if you're tra- if you're training and you're burning calories every day, you have got to be eating unbelievable amounts of food training unbelievable amounts and then you'll be fatigued for the game so i don't that's the thing yeah listen who who knows who knows but yeah i i think there's definitely a conversation to be to be had with people who probably know more than us but yeah it, it is interesting um anything else on the game brad no i can't think of anything i think you know it was it was a decent performance. Leno made some decent saves. I was so happy to see he came out of that tumble like unscathed. Yeah. He landed on his head and I, I, I shit myself for like a good two minutes. Yeah, I'm not convinced by Matt Macy. I watched him in the um there was an MK Dons game and he made like three mistakes in about two minutes. So I was like, Jesus. Oh, God. Um But no worries, mate. Runarson's coming in. Apparently he conceded like sixty two goals in thirty one games or something, so Jesus. Sounds like an Arsenal player. Well no app- apparently well. The, the Twitter rumours going around are that Brentford are willing to sell David Rea for around £15 million if he's loaned back to the club for the season. And apparently we're we're interested in doing that as kind of a second option. And then because okay. Matt Macy, you showed me it, the, the kind of article where he kind of says he's ready to leave. And I, I am definitely of the opinion that you you need. Well, you do need three goalkeepers. Because if one gets injured, you are then in a situation where you can't field a substitute. So I think that maybe this Renarsson deal will be for this season and we'll have Matt Macy as the third and then maybe next season we'll pick up a David Rea. Yeah. But it's only two million euros. Even if he's a flop, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think there's also some decent players coming through from the academy. So we'll have to We'll have to keep an eye out. Unfortunately, as much as we'd like this game to be the last game of the season, it isn't. Uh, we have some games coming up. We have a game on Wednesday against Leicester in the Carabao Cup. I believe it's at the King Power. Hang on one second. Not that that really matters anymore anyway without fans. It's at the King Power. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I mean, the Carabao Cup's an interesting one because I it feels like something's got to change about that competition because so many people, whether it becomes an under-23s competition, whether it goes, you know, it gives you, let's say, direct access to Europa League or something, I don't know what it would be. But but at the moment, it does feel like a bit of a Mickey Mouse. Um, and that's that's fine. Yeah, and I think the thing is as well, like getting getting winning the winning the Carabao Cup isn't as difficult as getting sixth in the Premier League. Yeah, and this is the thing. So it's you know it's 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 the same conversation we had about the FA Cup. Yeah, and giving that a Champions League space. Yeah. So yeah, I think it does come as a bit of an opportunity to 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 play around with some numbers, uh, play around with some players. Um, in terms of sort of a, a lineup you'd like to see how how we're setting up. What what are you thinking? 
Uh, I'd love to see some experimentation with kind of the formation. I'd love to see us move to a 4-3-3 uh, because I don't give a shit about the Carabao Cup. I don't give a shit if we lose 2-0 to Leicester in it because... I'd, wow, you're odd. I, I was also of the opinion last season that if we lost out on Europa League football, it wouldn't be the end of the world because then we would literally have one game a week we focus on the league and it will give us more of a chance of getting back into the Champions League through the league. I think it's brilliant that we've now got kind of the option to also kind of explore that Europa League route. But this is the thing with the Carabao Cup. Like you say, it means fuck all. You win fuck all. So why risk any of your big name players in the game? Because at the end of the day, anyone can snap an ACL just by having their studs in the wrong place and twisting in the wrong way at the wrong time. So why are we going to risk our big name stars on a game that literally doesn't matter in the fortunes of Arsenal Football Club? Yeah. So play the youngsters, give them a run out and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. I hope we're going to see, I hope we'll see Nketiah. I hope we'll see Nelson. Oh, I think we certainly will. Um, I imagine we'll see Elneny. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we'll need a bit of experience. I'd be interested to see if maybe even an Ozil plays because if he doesn't play in those kind of games, yeah, I'm fascinated because then that if he doesn't play in these kind of games, he's yeah, like that's it that? for the season. He will not play another game for Arsenal, which is a ri- like, I fucking hate yeah. it. Anyway, boring. Boring. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think he <laughs> it is. It's a boring conversation. Uh, we've been having it for two years. It's just I just would love some answers. Yeah, it's just been going fucking on and on and on and on and on, isn't it? And on. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think, you know, th- those those kind of players. I wouldn't mind seeing like a, a Miguel Aziz or a, a John Jules from the academy. I'd yeah. like, you know, so, or certainly on the bench. Be interesting to see who's in goal. I don't know whether Lennon will play if we have Renarsson registered in time or Macy. Um, and I'd also quite like to see Saliba. I know Saliba's been playing the under-23s, which is interesting, right? Because, you know, we've given him the number four shirt and he's come in and we paid a lot of money for him. And he's not 16, do you know what I mean? Like, you know, he, you know, he's 19 coming up to 20, um, which is how numbers work. Uh, and <laughs> my favourite thing, right, is I was watching the stream of the game yesterday and this guy, just a little public service announcement, knowing someone's previous clubs is not analysis, all right? <laughs> they kept going... Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who has recently played for St Etienne and Borussia Dortmund and AC Milan, passes to Danny Ceballos, who is on loan from uh, Real Madrid. I'm like, guys, like, please, <laughs> please. Um, anyway, yeah, back to the Saliba thing. I, 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 it's kind of interesting to me that we're easing him in. I think it's probably a good thing long term, but I would like to see him in, in a couple of games this season. Um, Absolutely. As you say, preferably in a, in a four. I think it's a fitness thing as well, obviously. Had a fair few injuries last season. And this is why it's impressive that Gabriel's doing what he's doing because neither of them played since March. Yeah, neither neither of them had played for six months. You know, Saliba uh, came back and was going to be... Well, they wanted him for the Coupe de la Ligue final against PSG, Saint-Étienne. But then there was a clause inserted into the loaning back that Arsenal wanted him to play as many games as possible. So they said, if you play him, I think it was either if you play, if, I think it was like if you play him for eighteen games, we'll give you two million pounds. And he played seventeen games, and uh, due to injury and then the kind of curtailing of their league, didn't play any more. And we said to Saint Etienne because the loan had finished, you can have him for the final, but we're not paying you the money. And they went, if he plays in the final, you pay us the money. And so we just said no. So he hasn't played. He's probably nowhere near full fitness. 
Uh, I w- he's and he is nineteen, nearly twenty. Uh, nearly twenty. Um, is he? Hang on, I don't even know that for a fact. I'm just saying it as a gag. Doesn't make him twenty. Yeah, I remember. He's nineteen until he turns twenty. <laughs> Give it a Google. That can't. That can't be a thing, can it? Anyway, Saliba is uh twenty in March. Uh, so that doesn't fit my gender. So I'm not gonna. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm just not gonna mention it. Um, anyway, you just get to edit it out. No, I'm gonna keep it in. <laughs> yeah. The. Uh. Yeah. Anyway, I, I. I think it'll be interesting, and hopefully we get to see him. Um. I do. Yeah. He. He looked a little bit. I mean, we've only seen him in the MK Dons game, right? But he did look a like he looked really looked like he had all the minerals. Uh. But he doesn't quite have the the pickaxe to to mm. to mine them yet. What yeah. a weird metaphor. We'll see. We'll see. He's he's he looks like a fantastic player in the in those forty five minutes. I know it was against MK Dons, and we were, he 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 put in a solid performance. But I think it is right when realistically we need a good start to the season. We we definitely need a good start to the season. We needed to win the first two games because we've got and we have yeah and we have because we've got Liverpool next in the league. I think if if. It's a big if, if he had played and then made a mistake that had cost us, like, the game, like, cost us, a, turned a win to a draw, turned a draw to a loss. Fans are so quick nowadays to just jump on people's backs. And also, and this is why I mean, I know I'm a, I'm a slight hypocrite in saying that when I made those Havertz comments in the first place. They were a joke. Like, I do understand that sometimes, especially when you're a player like Kai Havertz, who's quite slender, sometimes you need time to bulk up and get ready for the Premier League. But words words hurt, Bradley. They do, they do. Um, but so, obviously some players can hit the ground running and that's fantastic, but the likelihood is most players take kind of six months to get used to the league. And I'd rather us not risk the abuse and ridicule that he could have possibly gotten if he'd have fucked up against a Fulham or against a West Ham Yeah. for the sake of just running him out for 70 minutes. It is a safeguarding thing, 100%. Okay, the uh, only other real bit of news was uh, Torreira potentially going to Atletico Madrid. Mm-hmm. That would be great if we can use that as a make weight in the in a party move. But again, I think as you said earlier on the pod, I'm more interested now what's happening at this point in terms of what we actually need on the pitch. Obviously, party would be brilliant, great. If we can get one, he's a good footballer confirmed. But I think there's a there's a more pressing need for an Alwa. And I think, you know, if we can get, say, 25, 30 million for Torreira from uh, Simeone and the gang, I think uh, I think that's a really good deal. And I think he's a very Simeone-type player. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening, and, and, and it looks pretty reliable. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. Um, I think wait and see is the name of the game for most of these transfers. I think, you know, we literally, that is true. We will literally see. Time will pass and we will see. But I think, um, you know, it's, it's important to note that I think these things take time. You know, Klasenach, Socrates, Torreira. It's interesting to me that, you know, yesterday, Torreira's not in the squad. Socrates isn't in the squad. Um, good to have Louise back, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it's interesting to note those players aren't in the squad. So they're clearly not in his first team plans. And I think they they will be moved on. You know, he's having El Nenny and Willock on the bench over over a Torreira who could, who, you know, who is a, a, a senior, you know, internationally capped player. And he's, you know, he's very good. So um, I just don't think he fits the system. But yeah, I, 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 you know, best of luck to him. And I hope that move does happen for all parties. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. Good. Because as I said last week, Brad, it's my podcast. It is your podcast. 
yeah, no, I think if the quicker we kind of get these deals done, the better. We don't want to be farting around kind of with a week left of the window and we've not been able to sign anyone because we've got no money. So the quicker we get Terrera and Socrates. I do buy the sort of the idea around potentially we're waiting to pay the release clause for party just to to show that we haven't, you know, we, we, we've got more money that we're sitting on, which, by the way, we do quite a lot. I think we've done in over the years quite well. You know, we kind of let the media believe that, you know, John Cross can't can't write about our war chest um, in the mirror. Well, it's the same with what Liverpool have done this yeah, season. It's, yeah. Liverpool have gone from having possibly the worst window. Tiago for of, 20 mil, man. It's you incredible. Know, if any title winner... I, I could have ever imagined because I, I, I mean, we I said on the pod, the last podcast we recorded that if Liverpool don't sign some players, they are looking at like a real burnout in their squad. And then not only have they done that and they've masterminded this whole we're so poor, look at us, give us your player for cheap. They've then gone and splashed 45 mil on Jota. Incredible two buys and also dressing eggs. Ex- addressing exactly what they needed which is you know just more more options in the midfield and you know and more options in the front three and that's all they really needed just for, for the rotation i think there was a stat running around today that tiago was the stat running round the stat was going round about uh tiago making more passes in the second half than any chelsea player in the entire game he's a disgustingly good player He's so good, man, and I think for whatever price they got him for, is he's so he his his technical ability. There's a video of him playing like one touch with another Spanish player at the national in the national team. His first touch is just stunning, and those balls over the top. You know, people, players and teams sit deep against Liverpool, and just they have so many ways to break you down. Whether it's the the pullback and the and the fullbacks, uh, the you know. Fullbacks whipping balls in the other fullbacks um, getting in behind and whipping the balls in. Whether it's you know the the two touch round the round the, the the D with you know Mane and, and Salah and stuff. Now they've got the Thiago ball over the top. It they're looking really good. And this is part of a wider conversation I wanted to have with you, Brad. That this season, you know, look at Tottenham. They've got Bale, Son, and Kane. Three for me, genuinely world class players in their front three and a really strong midfield. We've got Wolves signing Nelson Semedo. You know, you've got Everton with James Rodriguez. Who they got on a free, by the way. James Rodriguez was a free transfer. Amazing, amazing. Chelsea, City, United. The league is so, so, so strong. And it makes it very hard to predict. And I think, you know, we see the quality of the Premier League going up every year. We see the interest in the Premier League coming up every year. And that's that can only be a good thing. But it does make the competition so much harder. And... It is starting to concern me that we don't appear to have addressed what I feel was the the biggest. You know, I'm not saying we could have gone through another season without um, with playing with David Luiz and Mustafi, but we might have done okay with Luiz in a three and holding and and um, and someone either side and Tierney or whoever on on the other side. You know, we could have got through a season. I think I think when if an hour or if someone like that can come in, I think we'll see the difference that that is what we need, and it's. It's starting to concern me slightly that we're not seeing much movement. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Look, other clubs who have owners that actually put money into their clubs are going to be able to make moves quicker. So you're looking that we've just had our worst league league standing in 25 years, so we get less money for that. We won the FA Cup, so we get a little money for that. We're in the Europa League, so we get a little money for that. 
we've spent most of that money on kind of William and then Gabrielle. We are now, unfortunately, in a situation where we need to sell to buy. And if we don't sell, we can't buy. And Arteta said that in his in his in his post match as well. He said, you know, we have it depends on outgoings. Because this is the perfect summer for it as well. It's it's very, very worrying that also from a business sense, it's a bit fucking stupid from Cronky. Because at the end of the day, this is post-COVID market. You're looking at Liverpool being able to structure a deal for Thiago where they've paid £5 million this year. And they're paying £5 million a year for four years over the length of his contract for him. And then a possible £5 million in add-ons, depending on if they win the league in the Champions League. Mm. You're looking at kind of players like Jota, who last summer would have been £60, £70 million players, moved for £45 million. You're looking at players in relegated teams like Callum Wilson moving for £20 million. I'm not saying that we should have bought a Callum Wilson. I'm just saying that if we were going to move out a Lacazette, we we could have brought in a Callum Wilson if we'd had the money to move quick enough. You're looking at Norwich being relegated with two great young fullbacks. We need left-back cover. Jamal Lewis would have been perfect. If we wanted to get rid of Bellerin, Max Ahrens, brilliant. Buendia, if we weren't to get Alwa because of the finances, Buendia from Norwich. Mm. It's... It's very, very worrying that they have not been able to see that this is the perfect time to be buying anyone because everyone's price is at the lowest it's been since the Neymar transfer, which is why it's a perfect time to go out and get an Awa. It's different for Party because he's got a release clause of £45 million. So it's already quite low. Like It's not a large sum of money. So you can understand Atletico going, somebody's going to pay this at some point. So unless you pay it, fuck off. It's it, it. That's the thing that worries me. Less about the movement at the moment in the sense of kind of what we're doing, because I know why we're, we're not moving, because we don't have the money to move. What worries me is that a very smart businessman like Kroenke will have seen that this would, if he wanted to kick on with Arsenal and wanted to get us pushing for Champions League. Now is the time. Now is the time to be buying these players because they are going to be the cheapest they have been for years. Now is the time to go out and buy kind of a day or Upamakano. It'll cost you 40 million, 45, maybe 50. You're talking about that much money. Whereas instead of a few seasons ago, you're talking 60, 70. You're, you're talk, you talk about an absolute worldie of a DM. But the, but the, but the problem is, is you know, his, his finances are affected like everyone else. And no, but you know, they are. But he's uh, a billionaire. The, no, I, I understand. I know, yeah. It's it's the same. It's the same. Everything is proportional, and it? it's the same conversation. Obviously, his finances have been affected, but the man is still a billionaire who's got us paying loans and got, has got us paying him advisory fees. We're basically we're the collateral for the for the LA Rams new stadium that they're building, like. It's mental. And that that is the most worrying thing. It's not that we're not moving because I know why we're not moving. It's because we don't have any money. It's the fact that this is the the, the most opportune time. It baffles me that, that no other pundit is talking about this in the context of Arsenal. This is the perfect time to, mm. to sell Lacazette and to bring in a replacement. The perfect Rally time. the troops, Brad. We're, we're hitting Kroenke. But We're it going. is Kroenke. It is. It's It's just the fact that this is the perfect time to rebuild the squad for Arteta because every player we buy will be 5, 10, 15 million pounds cheaper than they would have been 12 months ago. But we're not doing it. And that's what really stresses me out as an Arsenal fan. And on that stressful, worrisome note, we'll leave you, listeners. The rant. The rant is over. That was a good one, Brad. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was a good potty.
Good potty. <laughs> a good potty, mate. It's a good potty, mate. Oh, I had a good time. I had a good time. Thank you very much. It was a good time. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, legendary scenes. Legendary scenes. Sorry to have left you on. <laughs> Basically, guys, we haven't got a very good owner. Um, so we're fucked. All right. See, All you, right. Next see you next week. Uh, no, but we will see you uh, on, on Thursday. Uh, hopefully post a massive win, a thumping. I'm going to go with, should we say... Should we say 4 0 against Leicester? 7 0. 19 0. Abamyang with 57 goals, and it's still only 17 <laughs> 0. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you, Bradley. You're going to say bye this week. Goodbye. Wow. <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you did enjoy that and want to hear some more, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using for a new podcast every Monday and Thursday. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DiffKnock and check out our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.